Hey everybody, Matt Camp here with Deal Machine. Uh, we're proud to team up with Tom Zeeb here to give you guys a ton of free stuff. So our goal here is to give you the free toolkit to get out there and start finding off-market deals. Um, we're proud to say we're the highest rated and most reviewed app out there to go find off-market deals. And we've had over 10,000 deals done using the Deal Machine app. Now, when you download it, you can get it for free at tomzeeb.com slash dealmachine, and you'll get a seven-day free trial with that. And jumping into Deal Machine, you'll be able to go out there, start driving for dollars, start pulling lists, start finding the most motivated sellers in your market. And then you can start marketing to them directly. You can skip trace, you can send them postcards, you can knock on their door. There's a variety of things that we can help you out with using our technology. And then from there, you can actually evaluate the deals, You know, comp it, use our AI assistant to help you out there as well. You really to get the full toolkit to go from you know having no real estate experience to landing your first deal using technology. So it's tomzeeb.com slash deal machine for that free trial. With it, if you go through that link, you're going to get $30 free in marketing credits that cover a couple hundred free skip traces or 50 free postcards, give you everything that you need to start reaching out to sellers. So um, get out there and happy deal finding. I would like to get to the point to where any lead that comes in I would know what to do with it and how to deal with it, how it would best fit me. So in terms of wholesaling, flipping, or holding, hanging on to it for like a, a burr. So it might take me a little bit longer to get to my end goal if I'm kind of getting split up down the three paths, but that's my ultimate goal. Real estate negotiation is a mystery to most people. It doesn't come naturally and it isn't taught in school, yet it's the key to getting what you want in business and life. If you're ready to learn the art and science of effective real estate negotiation and want to learn what it takes to become a successful real estate entrepreneur, then you're in the right place. This is the art and science of real estate negotiation with your host, founder of Traction Real Estate Mentors and president of the Traction Real Estate Investors Association, Tom Zeeb. Welcome back to the art and science of real estate negotiation podcast with Tom Zeeb interviewing a successful student of mine in my Total Traction program. His name is Jake Draves, and he's coming to us today from Toledo, Ohio. How you doing, Jake? Good, good. Thank you for having me. So tell us what you've been doing out there in Toledo. Like, what was? I want you to turn the clock back a little bit to before you met me and tell me what were things like for you? Where were you at in your real estate investing? What were you struggling with? Truth be told, the meeting where you at, the RIA meeting where I met you at, that was my very first RIA meeting. So as they say, the teacher appears when the student is ready. Nice. <laughs> so yeah, that was the first time I met you. That was the first re meeting. And where I was wanting to learn more about wholesaling, and I feel like I had three options. Reinvent the wheel, pick one of the 36,000 videos on YouTube, or try to get a more of a direct connection with somebody who's actually done it. So that was the route that I chose. Nice. So you chose not to piece random information together from the random videos on the internet and go with kind of a path. Right. Other than the kind of obvious ease of taking that method, what attracted you to that choice? I really enjoyed how what really struck me was the fact that with your methods, whether you are a flipper, wholesaler, or you want to hold the property yourself, I mean, that was sort of the ticket to be able to, to choosing which one. So to me, it was sort of a key to take either of the three routes. You know, one could apply it to the routes in terms of finding the off-market deals, negotiating. And then from there, it's kind of dealer's choice about what you want to do with the property. Gotcha. So you were interested in wholesaling, but you recognize the other exit strategies are there. And do you think there's a difference 
Does the inbound strategy change if you change your exit strategy in the future? Not that I've particularly found. I mean, once you kind of have a bit of a network established, I mean, you can take any lead in and decide, you know, okay, I'm going to, if this fits within what I want, or else if not, then you look to wholesale it, or gotcha. if you want to flip it or hang on to it as a rental, then the option's there for you. Gotcha. Yeah, it's the inbound. You got to market for the deals. You got to negotiate the deals. You got to put them under contract and control them through the settlement. Then you get to choose which of the extra strategies you want to do. And I tend to like to teach people the major ones. You're going to wholesale, you're going to rehab and resell, or you're going to hang on to it as a rental. Yeah. Some, some people call it the Burr method. Well, that's cool. What? Where were you at in life before you met me? Are you, any real estate experience? Yeah, I worked in the real estate appraisal industry for about 15 years, 15, 16 years. So that had helped quite a bit in terms of at least having some sort of footing within the real estate world. So what made you want to be an investor? Seeing quite a few uh, working on a lot of appraisals to where I was looking at some of the numbers of some of these investors and just thinking like, well, what, why aren't I doing that? <laughs> It just got to the point to where I just really, I couldn't avoid it any longer. It's just something that I had to really look into. Gotcha. So you were frustrated watching others succeed in it while you were in the real estate business, but not as an investor. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And what finally, what was the straw that broke the camel's back? I mean, you were frustrated, but what kind of finally got the push? I mean, you're in the business for 15 years. What pushed you in finally? The slowdown since, you know, things were, Going gangbusters 2021, 2022, towards the end of 2022, things started to really slow down. And then I just kind of had a chance to sort of like relax, catch my breath a bit from the floodgates being open and then just reevaluated and decided this is what I'm going to do. Gotcha. You know, I find that kind of the times we've been through, I find them interesting because a lot of people think they're just, you know, they're God's gift to an industry. Oh, everything's flowing so easy. And it, particularly if you start during those times where you only know the hot times, the easy times, the fast times. You don't know any struggle or any difficulty, but the market's going to catch up, right? It goes up and it goes down. And so if, if you're in during and up, everything seems hunky-dory and rosy and endless. People always think it's never going to end. Come on, what always happens? Yeah, all good things come to an end. <laughs> exactly. It's so slow down. But the bigger money is made in the downturns, as long as you understand how to handle yourself during the downturn. The thing is, since that's not necessarily easy or obvious, most people screw up and they, you know, they lose their shirt during the downturn. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Which is, so it's good that you're, I think it's good time that you jump in during that and recognize, hey, okay, you know, this ride is ending or slowing down. Let's get on another ride and enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Now you came out of the gate and I'm going to mention two things in particular. I mean, you, you came into my total attraction program to kind of learn the overall setup, the overall pattern, the overall path that you want to take. And then you jumped in early on on a specific marketing challenge that I did in partnership with the Deal Machine software, which if people don't know what it is, driving for deals software. So you tell us what happened. You got in your car, drove around, got some leads. And yeah, be, being involved in appraisals, I mean, in a way, driving for deals is what I do all day in a lot of ways. You know, you drive and look, taking photos of comps. And then when you're taking photo of your comps, you see, well, that property looks distressed. So the whole time I'm just, jotting down properties of looking to get a trying to look to look to get a hold of the homeowners and then when the deal machine challenge came along i mean i found out about what of a great program it is so it's essentially click a few buttons and it automatically sends a postcard out and so that, that was quite helpful and then on top of 
that they gave you a couple of free cards to send out. And on one of those free cards, I ended up getting a call from a homeowner who's at the time she said the property was in pre-foreclosure. So we were able to negotiate a little bit and then get a deal under contract. Nice. So tell me on this first one there, it was a lead from driving around for deals, tagging it in the software, sending it a postcard, getting a response. Right. How did the negotiation go? Because negotiations, my favorite part of the business. Uh, <laughs> so it was, I was dealing with the daughter of the homeowner. Um, the homeowner appeared to have been getting robbed blind by the other daughter. So the daughter that I was speaking to had power of attorney. The mother was since put in a, an assisted living residence. So the daughter, I don't know how to put it really. She didn't really seem to have the biggest clue about what was going on either. She was fighting a lot with the sister, trying to figure out what was going on. But she had given a figure of what she was hoping to get out of it. I told her I'd have to run some numbers, see what the property would qualify for. And then I came back with a figure using your very specific number technique. And she said, yeah, we'll move forward with that number. Okay. So now, wait a minute, use my specific number technique. So not making an even number, making something kind of hyper-specific, like you really thought it through. Right. And how did she respond to that? She responded very well. I mean, she didn't argue with it one bit. She kind of seemed, I mean, she just sort of acquiesced, if you will, <laughs> to the figure <laughs> and said, gotcha. okay, yeah, we'll move forward with that. Interesting. So now she so you accepted your first offer. You know, the other thing I teach in there is that means you probably weren't low enough yet. Yeah. Which is that how you felt when she said yes? Well, she had also said the figure that she thought that they owed on it. Okay. So I put a little pressure on that figure. She said she'd kind of wanted X amount of dollars on top of their payoff amount. I said, you know, we did the, I can't really do that. The numbers wouldn't work then. Came back and, and gave the final figure. Okay, good. So there's some back and forth. That's one thing I want to stress to people, Jake, is that there's got to be some back and forth. It's that back and forth that I know it feels like you're arguing or, or putting the whole thing at risk and the person's going to walk away, but that's not actually what's happening. It's that back and forth, that little bit of tension that makes sure you get the best price and make sure it's a price that they're happy with and locks them in. That back and forth is a good thing in negotiation. Yeah. The nice thing about it is, I mean, she would just talk my ear off. I thought it was, you know, working on my first deal, I thought it was going to be a process of, I mean, I'm going to have to twist her arm, squeeze all this information out of us. I just shut up. I would ask a question, like you said, oh, tell me more about that. And then I would just sit back for a half hour and listen. Yeah. So like, after I hung up, I go to my wife, I was like, so so easy. I'm like, and that really taught me, like, okay, this is how it's supposed to be with a distressed seller. Here I was thinking, oh, I'm gonna have to become, you know, the most expert negotiator and twist this information out of people and see if what more information I can get out of them. It was just sit back and listen. Sit back, listen, talk, ask guiding questions. Yeah. And keep the process moving along. How much of that, Jake, how did you consider yourself as negotiated before? And then how much of that got very simple following my negotiation framework? It helped very much. I mean, that was one thing I was a little bit worried about because again, I was under this under this conception that I was going to have to, you know, be like the wolf of Wall Street. Oh, negotiate, negotiate. I'm going to hit a roadblock that I'm really not sure where to go and it's going to show through, but it just, it couldn't have been easier, especially having the framework of your courses. Nice. It's I don't know if you've ever heard the saying before. I think I've said it in some of the trainings. Sales is leadership. It's not supposed to be high pressure, 
disgustingness and negotiation and sales are overlapping circles. So negotiation is leadership. But you're basically just leading somebody to come up with an answer that would make sense for them. So at the end of the day, that's an open conversation. You don't need to feel awkward about it. You don't need to feel gross about it. You don't need to feel like you're pressuring anyone. You're simply leading them along. And if that final amount makes sense and solves the problems, they should be happy. If it yeah. doesn't, then you're not there yet. And if the number doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. So you got down to a number that worked for her solving her problem. And you got to a number that worked for you as an investor, correct? Yeah. it's. I mean, that was a main concern of mine is thinking that it was more of a sales driven propagation. I was worried that the hard sale, it just kind of seems like manipulation to me. And like you said, that gross feeling, like I just really didn't want to do that at all and to be involved with that. So the way that it went, it was a good learning lesson to kind of show me this is the way it's supposed to be. Just like, as you said, like I walked away happy, she walked away happy and, yeah. and I, I felt good about it. You felt good about it. I can't yeah. stress that point enough that, you know, done right. You're, again, you're not strong arming anyone. This isn't some sort of, you don't always hear it. You go online, it's all ninja tactics and strong arm maneuvers and these fancy, whatever, judo, wrestling, whatever. There's some, always some crazy description used for it. How about just some leadership to solve a problem for a person in a way that also works for you solving your problem, which is that you want to do deals that make money. Yeah. It doesn't have to be more complicated than that. And then, you know, you follow a, a simple, straightforward, step-by-step approach to dealing with that, and you'll find people saying yes to you. Yeah. Nice. That was deal number one. What else happened on your deal machine? Because you weren't, uh, that one wasn't alone or isolated from your- Yeah, after that, I was driving around looking for other deals, and I came across the duplex that just had a mountain of a trash pile out front. <laughs> like, well, you know, if I were that landlord, I'd probably be sick of being a landlord at that point. So <laughs> I angled my car at such an angle to take a photo with that big trash pile in the foreground to kind of that way we both know <laughs> where this property is that said nice <laughs> so then he'd reach back out he just according to him he was in marketing and just kind of went on and on in a good way about how great the card was it was short to the point you know grab the attention so he, oh, he was in marketing and raving about how good your marketing piece to him was Right. Which, how much credit could I really take? I clicked the button. <laughs> Using, was it, so you didn't custom build it. It was one of the deal machine provided cards or one of the cards coming out of my kit. Yeah. One of the cues from the deal machine. Beautiful. I mean, you kind of pick and choose one of the, whatever. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Can't go wrong with that. And then what happened next? How did that negotiation go? So that negotiation, he had told me how much he had paid for it and mentioned like, you know, I really don't want to lose money. So I went and saw the property and it was in pretty rough shape. Apparently one of the tenants had been breeding dogs out of it. <laughs> so yeah, it was in pretty rough shape. So in all honesty, I mean, for it to have even made sense, he was going to have to lose money, <laughs> which I got along great with the guy on the phone. I mean, we probably talked over an hour on at first contact and built a really good rapport. And then, so when we started talking about price, I'm like, you know, I know you don't want to lose money, but I mean... You know, this is what I'm looking at for the property. It makes sense. You know, this is what I was able to qualify the property for. He mulled it over for a day or two, came back and said, you know, okay, I'll accept your offers. He, he mentioned that he owned quite a few properties in other cities as well. So I kind of started to get the feeling like this guy might be more than just one deal to me. You know, we might be able to work a developing relationship for in the future. So we were able to get a contract signed. However, a couple of days later, he's like, Jake, you know, I was able to get a new offer. Somebody offered me 
a new price, which was about 15 grand over where I was thinking. Trying to look at the bigger picture, I let him out of the deal, but I bought him on as a private money lender. (laughs) Excellent. Because he was often saying like, you know, just think, be creative, think of, you know, ways we can make money together in the future. Saying it kind of put the bug in my, in my ear that he was looking for more than just one wholesale deal. So out of the one, but approached him with the private lender. Now it was a private lender. So there's a couple of tells there when he owns multiple, multiple properties. But every now and then you get a person or a couple, they own one rental, maybe two. They viewed it as a retirement plan. And you get somebody that owns that money, they're an investor. They're comfortable with it. They understand it. They are therefore willing to do more creative things like become a private lender. Sometimes they'll sell to you on owner financing because they're used to that anyway. They're not afraid of those kinds of things. So it's it's kind of a tip off early on that happens. Now, I know it almost seems like, oh, well, you lost a deal on it. Well, look, there's always a slight bit of attrition or what I call dropouts. So great, successful marketing response, successful negotiation goes for it, decides to back out. Sometimes you're going to get those dropouts. Does that discourage you or how do you feel about that? I mean, of course, I was disappointed in you know, this early on. I thought it was getting a pretty good rhythm going. So I was... Mm-hmm. I was disappointed for a bit, of course, but I was happy in the fact that we were able to leave a bit of a relationship intact, knowing that there might be something moving forward with it. So, I mean, what's I, I'm not looking to take anybody to court. Oh, you signed the, I don't want to be that guy. So. <laughs> no, the negativity is not worth your time. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's a numbers game. So it took, you saw a lot more properties than the three you got under that you wanted to get on the contract. And you talk to a lot more people at first and a few those three pop through. So one of them falls out. It's still not a problem. It's still a numbers game. It's always a number game. And it ain't over until you get that, until that checks in the bank, until the wire transfer comes through, until the deal's closed. Yeah. So you always need to keep that in mind that there's always the potential and you accept that there might be some drop off, but I'm going to push through. And it's having enough of the numbers to make sure you get enough good ones to the finish line. Yeah. Nice. Tell me about... Number three, we had a pretty big storm here several months ago, and there was a house on one of the main ways that I see it every day. A huge tree had fallen out of it and smashed the house pretty good. And for about three, four months, it's just been sitting like that. No activity. I mean, they took the tree off, put some tarps up. But every time I would drive by it, I'd always make a point to look for it, and there was no activity on it. So I looked up the owner. I tried to do an escape trace, couldn't get any legitimate phone numbers for it. So I looked up the county records and I found the mailing address, which can be, as you know, it'd be different from the, the property address. So then I looked that property up, had a different homeowner's name. So I looked up that one also had a different mailing address. So I had to get bounced back from about three to four properties. Finally found the woman. So I just knocked on her door and she said, oh yeah, my mother owns that property, but I have a power of attorney because she's very ill. And so we talked about it. I said, well, can we see the property sometime? Which I know you normally typically don't like to see the property first, but all that. But I mean, I'm so early in the beginning. So I was like, I've got a couple little extra time. (laughs) Plus, I really wanted to get eyes on it for how much damage there was. Yeah. So I went, saw the property, him hauling around. We started talking some figures and her opening price about made my jaw drop. (laughs) But it kind of held it together. I was like... I don't know. There's a lot of damage. (laughs) So I had told her, well, like, you know, I would like to get a structural engineer in here to take a look at things. So we got an engineer in there. 
he kind of, and then he helped me out finding a contractor. So we got a couple bids together. So then called her back, said, oh, with these figures, with the amount that it'll take to fix it, you know, would you accept this? She said, well, let me check on somebody else. She had a higher power too. So she said, oh, let me go check on my nephew because he's supposed to be living there. <laughs> so she went and talked to him and then we had one more back and forth. And then we got a pretty low price. <laughs> so. so you're not finding it difficult to market for properties, specifically just you know, driving around, finding them and then following up. And you're not finding it difficult to talk to people and negotiate. No, I mean... I understand that mistakes will be made. I've just accepted that. So I'm just trying to make sure every time I walk away from a conversation, I'm replaying it in my head. Look where I went wrong. Look at what I did right. And then my biggest problem, I think, was the paralysis by analysis in the beginning. I was trying to go through your all your packets, all your material. You know, I got to know everything 100%. I got to own the information. But it I just wasn't doing anything. So when that seven day deal challenge came around on deal machine, like it forced me to get out there and have conversations and start the processes. And it's been going good so far. Gotcha. So the major, major change was to stop. I don't want to say stop learning. Stop learning sounds odd, but pause your learning or, but implement concurrently with learning. Yeah. The main thing that changed was you got out there and started do actively doing things that could cause a response, not just planning or thinking. Is that, yeah, yeah, summarize it? Of course. And then, you know, the majority are no's, but I'm okay with it. I've accepted it and it's just, okay, move on. What did I learn from it? Is there anything to learn from it? Yes, no, move on to the next. What would you do? I mean, let's say we'll use you as an example. What advice would you give to yourself 18 months ago if you're able to go back in the time, jump back a year and a half? And how do you get yourself moving? Just get started sooner. That's everybody's regret. It never matters the age, the timing. It just gets started sooner. Yeah. The best time to plant a tree is what, 20 years ago? Yeah. But tough luck you didn't do it. So the second best time is right now. Right. So, I mean, whatever you do, just apply it. Yeah. Whatever you learn, start applying it. And you're going to figure out real fast what's going right, what's going wrong, I think. Okay. So, if I asked you what you would do differently, I guess you'd say start sooner. But let's assume that. What else would you do differently? What would I do differently? That's a tough one. I mean, I, <laughs> I feel like I'm, in, I'm going in the right direction now. So Nice. What's it changing? You're married? You have kids? I'm married. No kids. Married. No kids. Is it changing anything personally? The fact that you're kind of yeah, after I mean, your business, got a mission, moving towards it? I had been so deep down the rabbit hole with appraisals. I mean... You know what it was like in 2021, early 22. I mean, I was working 14, 18 hour days, seven days a week just to keep up with the workload. So being able to step back from that and apply it to something else for the, I mean, I had just accepted it. Like, this is going to be my life, just appraising all day, every day. And it was that sort of that lack of hope. (laughs) I hate to say it, (laughs) but I feel like I've gotten it back. You know, I have hope for something else, you know, <laughs> I'm excited to do something else. Interesting. So some of that, I guess if it's hope on the positive side, there must've been a little bit despair on the negative side. Yeah. I mean, it was just all day, everyday work. There was no me time. There was no couple time with my wife. It was just work, work, work. So I'm excited to take that effort and apply it to something else, <laughs> to something that That's I feel 
will really set me up in the future. Absolutely. Now, but this future you're building with real estate investing and you know, wholesaling or rehabbing or buying and holding, whatever extra strategy you choose, that this creative real estate investing, do you have the fear that this is going to trap you in? Does this eat up as much time as appraising, appraising, appraising? No, no. Why not? No, or, no or, it just doesn't. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> the conversations that I've had, I mean, they just, all the work that I've put in so far leading up to the three deals, I mean, it's just totaled up to maybe a couple of hours. A couple of hours across three deals. Right. Um, in terms of this, to be able to say that, oh, is it going to take up all my time? Not likely. <laughs> that's something that most of my students tell me they're a little surprised at when they get into it and they get a flow and they're moving along and it becomes a full-time thing for them because they've replaced their income from previous jobs. There's still that weird feeling like, I'm not doing anything, Tom. It's not eating up all the time. And it's, how do you explain that? Well, this isn't going to take you 40 hours a week anymore. Now, there might be a week where it becomes all-consuming because that's a busy week for a deal or a series of deals, but then it can go very quiet for just as many weeks or a month. And then the next round comes. The things come in fits and spurts sometimes, and that takes a little bit getting used to, and it's admittedly unnerving a lot of times for somebody at first. So are you experiencing that? And how are you preparing? Um, I've lived the 1099 life for quite a while now. So I'm used to the ebbs and flows. And you know, some days you're not going to work as much. Other days you're just working into the next day nonstop. So it hasn't been much of an adjustment for me from that point of view. I've kind of been used to that so far, but I'm definitely looking forward to the way it's looking so far. It's definitely going to be a bit of a, a slowdown for me in certain regards. Okay. Slow down in? In terms of having more time. Yeah. yeah. So time spent. So you got more free time, more freedom to choose what you want to do in your time, less time consumed by work, but not less money. Right. Okay. How's that feel? Pretty darn good. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty darn good. Yeah. Pretty darn good. Doing a lot more with less, less effort. Exactly. What else has changed as a result? Of, I mean, you're, I don't know, three, four months into my program. What else has changed? Like, what else have you noticed? Either personal life, business life, anything? I'd say business life has helped out or has improved quite a bit, even from just with the appraisals. With the real estate investing, I mean, you've got to get set up so much better with corporations. If you want an LLC or make connections with bankers, CPAs, tax advisors, things of that nature. So just the connections I've made in this little bit of time, I've been able to turn around and sort of retro apply them to even the business with the appraisals. And that's it's helped get things in order with that as well, too. Gotcha. Now, Jake, earlier you mentioned that it sounds like you've watched a lot of YouTube training videos or seen a lot of random information on the internet. Then what was it that sparked your interest in, you know, I don't charge a gazillion dollars for it, but there's still a charge to join. What was the fear and how did you overcome that fear? In terms of going with your program? Yes. I mean, I would guess you would say the initial fear is like, okay, well, I'm going to hand X amount of dollars to this guy who lives in Florida. Is he legit? You know, is he real? What's my recourse if I'm getting taken? But then you have to remember, okay, well, this is at a RIA meeting. You know, they're not just going to throw their members to the wolves. You know, somebody's going to be vetted. And then the other alternative was to just flounder away in YouTube land, just trying to piece all this together yourself 
as opposed to having a concise, comprehensive system presented to you, it was a bit of a no-brainer at that point. Gotcha. So having a clearly defined path to follow makes a big difference versus, I mean, sure, some of the, all you know, half of this information might be true, but which half? <laughs> Are you sure you have that half? And then how do you take that half and put it together in an organized fashion? Is that some of the shortcomings of internet land? Yeah, absolutely. There's a gentleman that I was sitting next to at the RIA meeting. You know, he was kind of saying, well, I can get all this information from YouTube and or like in like a $50 membership here and there. I'm like, well, go do it. I don't, <laughs> if you want to sit there and try to piece it together forever, you know, go do it. Yeah. But that wasn't the path that I wanted. I got you. Yeah. The, I mean, the answer to this question is yeah, maybe you could. But that's assuming you get it right each time and that you take the right pieces and put them together in the right order. And the whole thing kind of makes sense as one. And that, I think that's where a lot of people fall down. And some of that's just a problem of modern day where so much is online. Well, yeah, it is, but it's kind of the difference between information, which can be overwhelming, and intelligence, which is kind of taking that information and finishing it and putting it in a system or a method that makes it comprehensive for that specific, you know, narrow casting into what you want. Yeah. And if and even if you go that route of trying to piece it all together, how do you know if you got something wrong? You know, but with you, you've got all these opportunities to to touch base with you. You have your Zoom calls and then the, the phone calls as well with the other members. So it's access to be able to say, you know, this has happened. What are your thoughts? And then you, know, you get feedback from you. Yeah, directly. You know, if I'm just Clicking away on YouTube, you just never know. You don't have access to any of the experts that you're trying to learn from. Experts. <laughs> that you're sure. trying to learn from. Air quotes, experts. Yeah. It may or may not be interesting. So, what else? What are your plans going forward? You mentioned that there's multiple exit strategies open to you from getting good at marketing, negotiation, and getting paid. So, what's your path personally? What do you see in the future? I would like to get to the point to where any lead that comes in, I would know what to do with it and how to deal with it, how it would best fit me. So in terms of wholesaling, flipping, or holding, hanging on to it for like a, a burr. So it might take me a little bit longer to get to my end goal if I'm kind of getting split up down the three paths, but that's my ultimate goal. Gotcha. And I think what you'll find interesting is that which of those three paths you can take, sometimes it's one, sometimes it's two, sometimes it's all three. It depends on... I'm saying this to you, but I also mean it to every listener needs to think about this as well. You do what makes the most sense for you and what's open to you at the time. And if you're dead broke and need some cash, you're probably better off focusing on the wholesaling end of things and just get in and out of the deal and make some money. If you've got something in the bank backing you and you're willing to take, you know, kind of, if you can float it for a few months, maybe you want to go for the bigger bucks and rehab it. If you're looking for longer term cash flow because you don't need money immediately, you could take that drip, drip, drip from that rental or that BRRR burr. Yeah. or whatever the kids are calling it these days. It's a buy and hold to me. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. So you're going to piece together a plan based on what works for you at any given moment. Yes, sir. That's the plan. <laughs> I like that plan. Awesome. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So totally awesome. Jake Draves, Toledo, Ohio. Good luck with everything in the future. You've done great so far. You're going to keep doing great in the future. Thank you. Tom Zeeb with the Art and Science of Real Estate Negotiation Podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Your next step is to visit TomZeeb.com. There you'll find full show notes for this episode and all past episodes. Make sure you download a free copy of the Deal Flow Maximizer 
This free resource will show you the five key marketing elements to get your first five deals. And if you're enjoying this content, share it with a friend and leave us a rating and a review. We'll be sure to read those out on future episodes.